I grabbed some, honestly. Um, but uh, that said, I, I appreciate being in a church that, that gets the word of God out. Amen. Yeah. Romans chapter 6. I uh, want to read a couple verses here and then ask God's blessing. Um, I'm going to tell you right now a little, little spoiler alert, maybe a warning. Uh, not going to be a, a fun message. And I wish it would be. Uh, but it's on the subject of sin. And uh, sin is, in fact, fun for a time, uh, but, but the consequences aren't fun. And uh, eventually, you have to wake up, and in the morning, it may not be Rachel, it may be Leah. Are you with me? And so you have to be uh, mindful of what the Bible says about it. It's a little three-letter word that our society's forgotten about. And I want to remind you about it this morning. So let's read Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we... now? One of the most important rules of Bible study is context. And uh, clearly, if you know anything about the book of Romans, it is Paul. And he's uh, speaking to the saints. Those are Christians. And I know in a lot of some circles, when you say saints, you're thinking of someone that was elevated to sainthood. Let me tell you, I got elevated to sainthood the moment I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. The word saint comes from the word sanctified, which means you've been cleansed. I was washed by the blood of Jesus Christ the day I got saved. And so you can call me St. Adrian, you're welcome, all right? <laughs> but, but this is Paul writing to the saints that be in Rome. So this, these are born-again Christians. So when Paul says, we, he means we. Like, like us, right here, right now. All right? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You got a new life. Live it. (laughs) Live it. Quit trying to dig up the old one. Now look at verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, that's the old Adrian before Jesus, all right? Uh, that's the BC version of, of Adrian before Christ, right? Knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Let's ask God's blessing on the word this morning. And uh, Brother John Perlinger, if you'd open us up in a word of prayer, sir, please. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me... Say this, whether you like lawyers or not. Frank Azar, the strong arm, right? Whether you like lawyers or not, lawyers make a living by arguing. All right? I often say that I know someone very close to me that I think should have been a lawyer. All right? I may have married that person. I don't know. (laughs) Guys, come on. Don't do do that. You know what I'm talking about. You start getting, you got an argument, and you're like, you as a man, like, I know I'm right. And by the end, you're like, please, baby, baby, please, baby, baby. Like, I don't know what I did. I don't know what happened, but somehow I am wrong, right? Gentlemen, learn to say this. I was wrong. Right, right? I am sorry. All right? 
Uh, that's the, the marriage advice 101, right? L- listen, lawyers make a living out of arguing a point. And if you learn anything about Paul the Apostle, you know that before he was Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus, according to his own testimony, he was someone that sat at the feet of Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. The the Bible in the book of Acts mentions Gamaliel twice uh, as that he's a doctor of the law. So so Paul knows, listen to me, Paul, uh, before he was Paul, he was Saul. Saul knew how to argue in his mind that what he was doing by hauling off men and women and children to prison, in his mind, he was doing God a service. That's someone that knows how to make an argument. You may not like the argument, it may not be right, but they make an argument, and they're good at making the argument. So look, God takes Saul and turns him into the apostle Paul, gloriously saves him, amen? The one that was persecuting Christians is now one of them. Now he's a leader in in what the the first century Jewish community called a cult, the cult of Christianity. It is the greatest cult you could ever join. You say, why? Because your leader doesn't want you to die for him. He died for you. (laughs) Now that's different than every other cult that I know of, amen? Jesus Christ died for you and changed the apostle Paul's life. But you know what he didn't change? He didn't change the instinct in Paul to make a great case when he had one. So Paul, in chapter 5 of Romans, I'm going to read all of it, what he does is he makes the case about where sin comes from. And he tells us it was great, 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 great. It wasn't, you know, billions of years ago, there's an explosion and this amoeba, single-cell amoeba, you know, decided one day, I don't want to be a single-cell amoeba, so I'm just going to explode further. And as I explode further, I'm going to sprout a tail. And eventually, I'm going to swim through the cosmos. And eventually, I'm going to get tired of that, and I'm going to grow a foot. And I'm going to grow, you know what? It's kind of hard to walk on one foot, so I think I'm just going to grow another one. That's stupid. That's a crack dream. That's a, a pipe dream, guys. That, there's, no, there's no way that's reality. All right? You know where it goes? Great, great granddaddy Adam. Look, you go, well, preacher, I don't appreciate that. I think you can be nicer about it. Listen, man, when they start being nice about well, your book right there and honoring your God, I'll be nicer about it. They're in your face telling you you're an idiot Bible thumper because you believe in science. I believe in science, you know? I, I know that, look, the, the laws of thermodynamics would lead you to believe that there's a designer and a creator. We are not evolving. We are devolving right now. And if you don't believe that, just get old and fat and start having white hair show up in your chin. You will know you are devolving, Amen. I saw a picture of these guys, five friends. They took a picture in 1982, and every decade they take a picture together. And boy, they started off, oh, I'll tell you what, if I, if I showed some of you young girls, like, ooh, ooh, he had his shirt off. By the way, gentlemen, keep your shirt on if you're going to put something online for the love of God. No one wants to see that. And you know what? I'm going to challenge you. If you do that, I want to see it when you're 40. And everything that's up here, when it's down here, you go ahead and post that, all right? But these five guys, they're sitting there, you know, and one guy's got his shirt off, and the boy, I tell you what, chiseled, no, rock solid abs, you know, 1982. Then 1992, a little bit less, a little bit, 2002, a little bit less, 2012, a little bit less, 2022, man. I mean, it's just a, <laughs> you say, what is that? Devolution. <laughs> it is the opposite of evolution. I love it when you're in, bu- in some kind of business meeting, our company had evolved. No, it didn't. You got better because you did hard stuff. That, that took effort. You, were no, you knew what you were doing. That's not evolution. That's called effort. 
and growth and maturity. But understand this, the idea that somehow way back billions of years ago, this thing happened. You know what it was? God put man and woman in a garden and said, look, you can have whatever you want except for this, and God said, I'll give you a perfect marriage, a perfect life, perfect kids, perfect childbirth. Ladies, can I get a witness on that? Man, bringing these boogers into this world is hard. And then they eventually learn to talk back. You're like, <laughs> you know what God said? You can have whatever you want, just not that. And they did. And they sinned. They chose that one thing. So the Bible says, for by one man, sin entered and came into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Yep. Paul makes this case in Romans 5. And then in Romans 7, he talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And in Romans 8, he talks about the fact that someday, by the grace of God, if you're a born-again child of God, you are going to have an existence without sin. Amen. But in chapter 6, he talks about here and now. And this is where you're at. You know what it would be good to do? To tune off all the distractions and go, Lord, I want to hear from you this morning. You know what God's saying? You want to continue in sin? Is that what you want? Paul says, shall we continue in sin the grace of God? He makes a great, a great point. And he goes on, to, he, he does this. Now, you have to look back. Look at chapter 5. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at chapter 5. And, and notice that, that Paul asked this question for a reason. You see, chapter and verse markings are in your Bible, and we thank God for that. But never forget that oftentimes before the chapter you're in, there was a thought that was, that's being continued from the last chapter. So in chapter 5, look at verse number 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, when something abounds, it is plentiful. You've got it in abundance. You've got it all around you. You know what we have in the world today? Sin abounding. <laughs> We are in a world that, where sin is not just abounding. It is in your face. It is coming at you. It is in your eyes. It is in your mind. It is part of your life as a born-again child of God. You say, well, God saved my soul. He didn't save your flesh. You've got flesh that wants and craves and desires sin. But he says this, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let me just say this, though. Paul asks the question that he does in chapter 6 because of this. There's only one man who could look at the effects of sin and where sin abounded. He could take that effect of sin and turn it into grace much more abounding. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm not him and neither are you. So as it relates to sin, what he's saying is this. You are not going to make the grace of God more real by continuing to live in sin. When you get saved, you will still sin. Can I get a witness? If you don't say yes, I'll ask your spouse. I'll ask your parent. I'll ask someone that knows you. They'll tell you. Amen? The reality, we still sin. The question is, will you continue in sin? There's some great questions asked in the Bible. How about this one? What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and vanisheth away. That's a great question. What, what a great description of life. All the Greek philosophers, you know, and all that, you know, uh, I, 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 uh, the more I learn, the more I realize that I know nothing at all, you know, and all these great things that the philosophers said. The reality is this. They were, they were fools because they accepted the wisdom of this world. Talk about a great question from God's perspective. What is your life? Some great questions in the Bible. How about this one? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? 
Should you guys really be arguing about which pastor, which preacher you like more and which group you want to be with and all that foolish carnal junk that goes on in church? He says, man, divorce yourself from all of that because it wasn't Paul that died for you. You weren't baptized in Paul's name. You were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the one that died for you. But he presents that argument by asking the question, you see? He, how about this one? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which you have in you, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. You know what that is? That ends with a question mark. Paul is making the case that you as believers already know that your body's not yours. It belongs to God. And what you look at and what you dwell on and where you go and what you embrace and the spirit and the attitude that you have in this flesh, all of that should reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. Paul asked this, are you not carnal and walk as men? Great question. One time they come, the, the, the Pharisees come to the Lord and they, they go, hey, Lord, uh, you know, I love when they come to him. They're always like, oh, Master, you know all things and you're so smart. And we just, you know, we know that no one could do the things you're doing except God be with them. And, and, and back behind closed doors, they're trying to kill him. <laughs> the old saying is, and, and young ladies, if a young man is not walking with God, he may look smart, he may look good, and he may say exactly what you want to hear. But the old saying is, if someone's buttering you up, it's probably because they're about to fry you. Mm-hmm. And those Pharisees say, Lord, we, we have a question. We have a que- you know, qu- question and answer night with Jesus, right? And we have a question. Um, um, uh, Lord, do you think it's lawful to give tribute to Caesar or to give it to God? And you know what the Lord does? He goes, uh, show me a penny. Whose image and superscription is this? And he, he, he creates an argument by asking him a question. He says, render to Caesar the things that be Caesar's and render to God the things that are, that are God's. You know, he starts the entire thing. He asks the question to get them to think. So this morning, if you're a child of God, let me ask you a question. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, preacher, you know, I, you know we're, we're, we're saved and we're, we have liberty in Christ. And, and these are things I would not argue. But what I would say is this. I, I would say that, that Paul ends that statement with this, these two words, God forbid. You know what God forbid is? It is the opposite of God's will for your life. People say, I, I, I want to know God's will for my life. You know what God's will for your life is? To not continue in sin. Yeah. To walk in newness of life. To not have such a casual attitude towards your sin. You know what I do with sin? I look at sin, I go, man, Joe's sin is bad. It's so bad. Brother Dennis' sin is terrible. Miss Florence, I'm a terrible sin. And Brother Caleb, I mean, that's just, it stinks. My sin, well, you don't understand how I was raised, and you don't know what I went through, and, and I've got healing I need to go through, and I've got trauma from my child. Hey, if it's wrong, it's wrong. We have replaced, listen to me, we have replaced preaching with psychology because nobody wants to call sin what it is. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I don't understand. I don't need to understand. I can tell you this right now. Some things are simple because God wants you to get, even if there are layers of healing that must be dealt with, they will not be dealt with unless you address your sin and you own it for what it is. Shall we continue in sin? People say these days there's no sin. It's just a mental illness. It's a disease. It's a proclivity. It's a hobby. It's a habit. It's the way I was raised. Let me tell you right now, I am sick and tired of preachers getting behind, I don't even know if they get behind pulpits anymore, they get behind little things and they, they get there and they go, you know, the reason you're really struggling with, you come to church to like have a rap session of psychology from some guy that called himself a preacher. Right. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that is, if that's what you want out of church, this isn't it. 
You're not going to get that here by the grace of God. You know what preaching is supposed to do? Make you uncomfortable. You know what preaching ought to do? It, may, it ought to make your spiritual and emotion kind of feel like when you've got a hemorrhoid, you know, and you can't quite sit any certain way. Don't, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. And you can't do this. You kind of, yeah, I just kind of not cut. You know what that is? That's God's way of saying, deal with it. Don't blame somebody else. Don't mislabel it. Don't call it what it's not. Deal with your sin. We live in a generation that doesn't want to own anything. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, my parents, yes, they had a part in my raising. Yes, they had an influence in my life. Yes, there are times that I have company over and I'm sweeping while they're still eating. I got that from my dad. I'm not going to deny that. I've got issues. I'm OCD from my dad who was in the army for 25 years. Yes, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But I'll also say this. I can't blame my dad for my sin. There's a... a psychologist named Scott Peck who was an agnostic and for years he embraced the idea that there more than likely is no God and didn't know of any God and then long story short Dr. Peck got saved and you know what happened he said psychology does not address they, they, they think that evil is a social construct that there is no real evil that there really is no good and at the same time, those hypocrites out there, one side of the mouth say that, and at the same other side, they go, we think that men are intrinsically good. Which is it? If men are intrinsically good, what is the standard for good? Are you with me? And if there is a standard of good, then there has to be a counter standard to that. What would then be evil? Because if you define good, you've got to define evil, and they don't want to do that. They go, well, really what evil is, it's a social construct, and it's just when people lash out and they act a certain way, it's because there are things that we just don't understand about them. Let me tell you something. When someone shows up to behead children, you don't ask questions. You get rid of them. Do you understand? You go, well, preacher, I think grace should abound. Grace will abound. Listen, we're talking about preaching the gospel and someone does you wrong, that's one thing. We're talking about evil in this world. You don't negotiate with evil. And, and if you say you don't negotiate with evil, can I ask you a question, Christian? Why do you do it in your own life? Well, this was the line that they set, Christian set 30 years ago. Well, you crossed that line. Okay, I got, I got a new line now. And guess what? Your kids are going to cross that one. And it's going to keep going until you just cannot tell where the church starts and where the world begins. And you can't tell where holiness ends and impurity begins. You know what? Just all just mix it all together. Can I tell you this right now? That is not what God designed for your life. You know what sin does? It messes you up. It does not leave you better than it finds you. But because we have all kinds of labels, we don't, nobody wants to call sin what it is. Go to Romans chapter 7 with me. Romans chapter 7. I'm sorry, excuse me, James chapter 1. Forgive me. James chapter 1. Got ahead of myself. James chapter 1. You know what? If you went to Romans 7, you would still read something really good there. <laughs> Look at James chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 13. Can I say this? You are not a victim of sin. You sin because you want to. I, I'm so sick and tired. Well, you don't know. Everyone's a victim. Uh, you know, I just, I didn't know. Listen, when you say something vile, that's on you. When you are ugly and mean and bitter and resentful and things come out of your mouth, to show, that's on you. Well, you don't know what buttons they push. I know this much. They're responsible for pushing the button and you're responsible for how you respond. 
You know what sin is? Sin is something that is abstract anymore. It belongs to, it's almost like, look, when you talk to someone that's lost about the gospel, you ever done this, Christian, and you witness to them, they go, I never killed anybody. I, 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 never, I never stole anything. And it's almost like, well, congratulations, you're not a complete felon. Like, great for you. But, but, but here's what's funny about that. You get saved and you still adopt that because now that you're, you go, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And you hear that and you sing that. But then when the Holy Spirit of God takes the word that's being preached and says, right there, you go, well, Lord, you don't understand. I think he does understand. I think he understands so much that he went and died on a cross because of that. And some of you are getting real close and playing with things and going, well, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal to God. Yeah. And let me say this right now. When you say, well, you don't understand the temptation I was under and you don't understand what I was going through. Look at James chapter 1, verse 13. You cannot blame anybody else for your sin. James 1, 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted... And we got to be equal opportunists here and say this for the ladies as well. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of what? And enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished. (laughs) You know how you read that? When I'm finished with it, nobody. When it's finished with you. It bringeth forth death. To be drawn means you are pulled, you're hauled, you're, you're allured, you're attracted. Some, something is pulling you in it. It's like being induced as by a motive. Uh, the, the Webster's 1828 says, as men are drawn together by similar views. You see what is it said? I like this, therefore it appeals to me. Again, imagine the Garden of Eden. Here's all the trees. Here's all the stuff. Here's everything you can have. Here's just one thing you can't. Yeah, but I want that. You see what is it said? That defines sin nature in you. And God goes, let me give you a new life. Let me give you everything all over again. Yeah, but I just, I want that. Olivia, when I get her in the morning, she, she, I, I don't think any of our kids ever did this, but Olivia loves stuffed animals, and she's not even a year old. So when I go to get her from the crib, you know what she does? <laughs> and she's looking at me like, can you pick me up? And I'm like, do, why do you need it? Well, you don't need all those. You're going to drop half of them on the way to, we, to the living room. Like, what are you, what are you doing? But in her mind, I got to have everything. Can I say this? You don't need to have everything. There's some things you don't need to pick up again. You know, I won't have you go there, but in Romans 7, you know what it says? It says sin that it might appear sinful. Might be exceeding sinful. In other words, my job this morning is to make sin ugly. I want you to know what you're dealing with in you. I know you know what you're dealing with with other people. You know? I mean, when you're out in traffic and, you know, someone cuts you off and they give you the finger or whatever else, you know, yeah, look at that sinner, right? And someone at work, they do, the, they do, they do you dirty at work. and you know, What a sinner. And your spouse says, what a sinner. And your kids, I can't believe my kids. I, do you ever find yourself as a parent, those that have kids, you ever find yourself going, I can't believe and Right in the middle of that sentence, the Lord's like, uh-huh, keep going. But what about yours? Well, preacher, I'm not, you know, smoking crack and I'm not running around. I'm not a... How about pride? 
How about when someone says something positive, you have to say something negative? What is that? Where's that scripture commandment? Uh, be ye jerkish. For I am jerk. God never says that. Like, what, what is this a whole idea when someone is having a good day? You just got to poop on their parade and go, hey, guess what? Your life isn't all that great after all. Or guess what? Wish I could. I love this one. That'd be nice. <laughs> wish I can go on vacation. Wish I can. No, 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 no. You say, what is that? That's sin. You know what that is? That's bitterness. And it just finds its way out the right time. Someone says something, zoom. And as soon as it comes out like fangs out of a snake's mouth, you realize, I shouldn't say that. But the real issue is, you've been holding that inside this whole time. And you know what you say? I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do this. I'm at church when the doors are open. Yeah, but you got that going on. You're not dealing with it. And you think it's no big deal. It's a big deal. It's ruining you and it's ruining those around you. Sin's power of mankind is drawing. It's deceiving. You know what sin says? You can handle it. One time won't hurt. Nobody has to know. It's no big deal. God doesn't care. It's my life. Uh, Whatever I do is my... Listen, that's the deceiving nature of sin. There's a damaging nature of sin as well. Years ago, there's an Australian preacher named Dr. Howard. He's preaching a youth conference and just... I mean, this is back years ago. So what they would consider blushful, like, oh, we shouldn't say that in church. We look at that and go, <laughs> like, we're watching that on TV. What are you talking about? This Dr. Howard gets up, and he preaches, and boy, he is stomping on sin. He's naming stuff. Afterwards, some church officer, some leader in church came up to him and said, I just don't think you should do that. And he said, well, why not? He said, well, we, we shouldn't put those thoughts in their minds. He said, brother... He grabbed a bottle of uh, poison. He said, do you see this? He said, yeah. See the red letters on it? P-O-I-S-O-N. Poison. He said, yeah. He said, well, what if I just relabeled this and put a new label over it and said the essence of peppermint? I know, I know for today's, for you ladies, essential oils. (laughs) We're going to light some incense to the Lord in our house and make it smell good, Amen. But some, and he says, what, what if I just call the essence of peppermint? And, and they thought it was something that it wasn't. And they go to it because the label I put on it, and they consume it, and it ruins them. Yeah. I want them to know what it is. You know what I want this morning? I want you to know what it is. Lying is still lying. Manipulating people is still manipulating people. Selfishness is still selfishness. You're to think of others before yourself. You know that as a Christian, that's how you're supposed to do it? Do you realize that when you walk in a room and all you can think about is you and what you're going to get out of something and how, how they're not paying attention to you and, and what about me and what about my feelings? Do you realize that is, that is, anti, that is against the Spirit of God? It is a sin because him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And the Bible says, be tenderhearted, for, uh, forgiving one another as Christ for God's sake hath forgiven you. You are to love each other. You are to prefer one another. In other words, you honor them first, not you. Selfishness is sin. Well, I was an only child. Who cares? This is not an only child family. Okay? I was, I was the baby of the family. I don't care what you were raised as. You are a child of God in a big family. 
I know I mentioned this recently, but I feel it needs to be mentioned again. Here's the truth. You know what you'll do with your kids? Some of you, God love you, I love you, he does too. But I'll tell you right now, you will make excuses for them and excuse after excuse. And eventually when they're teaching, you're going to go, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You made excuses for them. You know what it says over there in uh, 1 Samuel? You don't have to go there. You know what it says about Eli? He restrained not his sons. He didn't hold them back. You know what child training is supposed to be, parents? It's not supposed to be about how great of a parent you are. It's so that you help them know who God is. God does not walk around having to go, oh, I, oh, well, you know, didn't mean it. It's okay, honey. I, oh, and Pastor Adrian just needs a nap. That's all that's wrong with him, yeah. <laughs> that's what you're doing with your kids. And then you wonder why they have attitude when they're a teenager. I'll tell you why. Can we cure sin out of our... No, they're going to deal with it. But for the love of God, don't enable them. Man, when a kid is hitting another kid, oh, she just needs a nap. No, she needs a butt whooping. Amen. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Find another church if this offends you. I'm telling you what the book says. You are to train them up. (laughs) Listen, when you come to church... And you are thinking to yourself, man, I should have gotten a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I don't know why I'm thinking that. Why am I thinking of Starbucks right now? I'm not sure. And then you get up in the middle of the service while the preaching's going on to get yourself a cup of coffee. That's sin. Because you're thinking of you rather than thinking of the rest of the people that will get distracted for the next five to ten minutes while you get up. Oh, my, oh now it's getting quieter. I get it. It's, these are the sins. of the. I talk about, you know, if I talk about transgender, Amen. Less than 0.1% of the population you want me to preach about because you're not it. What about you? Shall we continue in sin? The grace may abound. God forbid. Secretly lusting after things that God has already told you he doesn't want you to have. He says, don't don't think about it. Looking at things that God says, you're done. No more. Thinking of yourself better than someone else. Consuming that thing that will destroy your marriage, hurt your walk with God, that one more look, that one more word. Can I say this? Sometimes the Lord just, the Holy Spirit, God just says, shut up. And you say, that's not how he talks to me. He says, dearly beloved, uh, I think, no, no, that's not, sure God just says, Adrian, shut up. <laughs> that's how he talks to me. Maybe he talks more eloquently to you. You know what he says to me? Shut up. You know why? Because I'm about to say something I shouldn't say. Can I say this? I know some of you aren't going to like me for this. I'm trying to help you out. Do with it what you will. You know what you want? You want someone to justify how you feel and how you live. That's what you want. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I did that, I could have more people here than we got. I could, listen, let me tell you something right now. I run a business. I know how to market. I know how to change things. I know how to make things where people come and don't have their feelings hurt and we make it just for them. The church is not just for us. It is for God first. We are the beneficiaries of that blessing. But if God does not say, what do you want? We say, Lord, what do you want? Amen. So when you come to church, you want to, every once in a while, kind of get a little offended, a little bit, kind of like, man, preacher, why'd you have to say that? Why'd you have to go there? Because God knew you needed it. Amen. That's why. Sin is still sin. It's 2023, preacher. Sin is still sin. Listen, if you want to relabel sin, knock yourself out. But if you're going to do that, you're going to call God a liar. You know what Romans 3 says? When we call God a liar... God forbid. You know what a sin is? You know what, you know what, you know, you know what, you know what sin is? Sin is laziness. We're creating a society of people that just want to watch and spectate and look and scroll and uh, 
You know what? Some of you say, I don't have time to read my Bible. You're lying. I don't have time to talk, stop and talk to that person. Show me your end of week iPhone report that says you were on your phone this much this week. You know what you're doing? You're lying. And by the way, listen, I'm not saying to be on your phone equates to laziness. We have to use it. It's a tool. Thank God for technology. I'm not just, blah, blah, blah. just calm down. So, I'm never going back to that church. You should get rid of your phones. I didn't say that. Phone. iPad. <laughs> Apple Watch is at home because it's dead. The list goes on. We're not anti-technology, but we understand that it can be a vehicle to make us sedentary and lazy. Can I say this? I know I'm going to get in trouble. Overeating to compensate for bad feelings is sin. Don't get mad at me. You would tell someone that's going to drugs for the same reason, the same thing. It's a problem in the church. You know why? Because no one wants to say anything. Why? Because it's hurtful. Because I know if I talk about drugs, oh, I pray. Well, most of you aren't there. But, 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 but if I talk about this, it's like, well, preacher, now I think you're getting a little bit too, a little bit too, clo- a little bit too much. I think you're kind of overboard. I think you need to chill out. That's the problem. That's the problem. I'll never forget years ago, a guy got in my face and said, you'll never build a church if you preach against sin like you preach. And I said, well, then God may have to build it for me. Amen. It's not my job to build a church. It's his job. Can I say this? Being a victim all the time is sin. If, you always, if your kids are running around going, how come I didn't? You know, oh, oh, honey, you're so, I'm so sorry that Sienna left you out. <laughs> Churches split over these things because parents don't have a backbone to say, hey, did you eat today? <laughs> Do you have clothes on your back? Do, do you wonder where your next meal is going to come from? Why are you whining about this? And say we let them indulge in their emotions. Mm. How about you say, hey, look, I know you're hurt, but why don't you learn to go to God for your fulfillment instead of people? Amen. Oh, that's a, that's a 21-year-old con- year old conversation. No, you wait until they're 21. It's too late, buddy. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Let's call sin what it is. Mm. Years ago, a good man, one who I, I would say is a, 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 a born-again child of God. I love this person. They told me, preacher, you preach too long. And there were a lot of things that were going through my mind. They were not holy. Okay? Can, can I say what that is, though? You're inconveniencing me. Preacher, you could preach shorter. I could. You could watch less TV. You could quit doing some things you're doing. So when you're done, let me know and I'll preach less. How about when there's less sin in your life? Maybe God's in charge of this. I don't know. That's a novel thought. Maybe God's the one that dictates how long we go. I don't know. Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe let God do things. Maybe you come to church and quit saying, God, I think it should be this way, and just go, Lord, this is yours. I need to get aligned with you rather than me trying to force everything to uh, circle around me. When you get saved, you still have a sin nature. When your soul is saved and washed from all the sins, past, present, future, look, if you're here and you're not saved, you're probably like, man, it sounds like even after I get saved, I'd have trouble with this. Yes, you would. Can I just take a time out for just a moment? If you're here and you're not saved, and you might be going, first off, who is this guy? Why is he yelling? Why is he running around? 
And what's the deal? I'll tell you what. When you stop watching TikTok, that's stupid. This is real. Am I offending you yet? Good. I want you to understand what's real in this life. <laughs> you're living in such a fake generation, can't handle anything. They, they want, they, well, we want it raw. No, you don't. You can't handle raw, man. The closest you come to raw is sushi, and you can barely handle that. You know what? You need, you need to come to church and get it raw and unfiltered from the Word of God and stomp on your toes every once in a while and tell you where you're wrong so you can make it right. Now, look, if you're not saved, you may go, well, why would I even want to get saved? Here's why. Because every person in this room that is saved that struggles with sin, here's one thing I can tell you they won't struggle with. They will not die and pay for their sins forever in a place called the lake of fire. They won't do it. But if you die without Jesus Christ, you will. You say, why? Because God took sin so seriously that when his son hung on that cross, he turned his back because that son, Jesus Christ, became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Look at Romans chapter 6. As you turn there, can I say this? Sin, if you don't know what it is, here's the best definition I got for you. Sin is the transgression of the law. It's God saying, here's what's right, and you doing your thing against it. You know what some people do with their sin? They bury it like Achan did. Yep. Nothing to see here. It's covered. It's underneath. No one, it's in my tent. It's my business. Yeah, you know what I love about that? I love the fact that people say it's my business, and yet it's affecting your family. Yeah. It's affecting your judgment. It affects the body of Christ. You know what? You know why I want to preach against sin? Because I, I want people to come to church that want truth and want purity and want holiness. Yeah. And listen, none of us have this figured out. None of us are sinless like Jesus Christ. Lest I present this the wrong way. But I'll tell you what I don't want. I don't want to create an environment where we coddle it and call it something that it's not and deal with it differently when it's someone else's sin versus my sin. Some of you, some of you political people watching things going on in politics right now, you know what you're noticing? You're noticing two separate systems of justice. If, you're, if your political uh, party uh, starts with D, then you get this kind of criminalization. If your political party starts with an R, then you get this level of criminalization. And it's two separate. Let me say that's a third world country is what you're heading toward. That's a banana republic. You know what you say? Equity needs to be fair. So let's be fair about sin. Let's not treat other people's sin differently. What if I was as disgusted with my sin as I was yours? Maybe I deal with it differently in my own life. Romans 6, can I give you some thoughts here? Look, if you would, Romans 6 and verse number 3. Romans 6, verse number 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, but like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? You know, it's so funny about people. They like everything new. New car. Come on, we like new cars. Who wants a broken down car? I know you got one, but it's not what you want. We want a new car. The new car smell. Oh, before the children and McDonald's and accidents and things that happen. And mom, I swear it was shut. I'm so sorry, you know. One time we were driving in, a, in our car. I think we had something my dad had cooked. Was it something my dad had cooked? We had it in a crock pot. And let me tell you something. You got Puerto Rican food, you will smell it for miles. 
and it was a caldito. Brother, where's Brother Elvin, Miss Rosa? It's a little caldito. And boy, that thing just sloshed over the top of the lid and it went out. And for the rest of our lives in that vehicle, <laughs> we like things new. Listen, I remember uh, I was uh, getting coffee this morning. I watched this girl walk across the parking lot. She had big pant legs because those are back in. Who remembers Jinko jeans? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Tony, did you ever wear them? Yeah, he did. That's right. Man, you could hide everything in those jeans. Those pockets went like this. I mean, you could pull a boombox out of those things. They were amazing. You know, we look at that, we laugh about that. We go, that's old, right? Or, or, or this style is old. Well, first off, you live around long enough, it'll come back, right? But we look at things, we go, oh, we would never. Listen, I, I promise God is my witness. If there was one thing I thought would never, ever, ever, ever come back, it would be the mullet. It's back, man. Don't worry, I'm not coming next week with the mullet here. My Marlboro hat, Puerto Rican mullet, you know. That, that, <laughs> not going to happen. We look at things, we go, I want, I want a new thing. New shoes. New, new purse. New car. <laughs> new kids. You know, new, <laughs> new husband, new husband. You know, all these new things. We want new things. And then God goes, I'm giving you something new. You go, oh, no, I want the old one. You know what it says about Ruth? Uh, excuse me, Naomi, her mother-in-law. When Naomi and her uh, husband went down to sojourn into Moab, the Bible says, listen to me, these are the words, they continued there. Shall we continue in sin? And she went with her name as Naomi, Pleasant. And she comes back and they go, hey, Naomi. <laughs> this is how I have it in my mind. <laughs> Don't call me Naomi. <laughs> call me Mara. <laughs> so dramatic, you know. See, what was she saying? I'm bitter. Mm. Listen to me very carefully. She chose old over God's new. Mm. And it left her bitter. They thought they would sojourn for a little bit, but they continued many days. Sin always keeps you longer. I told the, uh, the, our greeters this morning, by the way, we have phenomenal greeters. I'm thankful for that ministry. It means a lot to me. You know how it means a lot to me? You ever walk into a church and no one says hi at all? Yeah. And you're like, okay, where's the bathroom? Are there people here? Where do I go? It's a blessing to have greeters. And I was talking to them, and I, I told them the other day, uh, yesterday, I said, guys, or Friday, maybe it was, I said, can we meet at uh, 930? Brother Craig responds, got it, 935. <laughs> and I would hate to tell you that he was right this morning. You say, what is that? Well, that's, that's uh, me judging time by the old way. You know what the new way is? A little voice in my head called Lacey. <laughs> you should leave now. You should leave now. <laughs> H- how about this? Uh, listen, when I was in high school, I had a, I call it the Kim Jong-un. <laughs> I did. I straight up looked like, I had, I had, I had FUBU uh, wind pants. I had a Fila t-shirt that went down to my knees. Uh, and she fell in love with me like that. <laughs> yeah, please. Now, now you got to, and then she's teaching your Bible study? What is that? <laughs> Ladies? Uh, look, look we, we look at those things and go, oh, that's so old. We look at all those things and go, that's old. 
if somebody came in and said, hey, come check out my car stereo, and they pulled out a portable CD player plugged in through a tape, you, you'd be like, hey, 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 bro, so we have new things now, right? We don't go back to that. Why? 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 But yet you as a Christian go back to the old. Why? Can, can, I, can I say this? Sin represents the old identity, not the new one. You know, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is addressing some things in the Corinthian church, and he says, talks about fornicators and, 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 and drunkards and revelers and all these things. And you know what he says? He says, such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are justified, ye are sanctified. You know, he's saying, hey, quit allowing your mind and your heart to be drawn to your old identity. Mm-hmm. Now, some of these kids that get saved, where's little Jakey at? Get saved at, you know, four or five years old. You know, look, you may go, well, he'll never have that problem. Uh, think again. Yeah. I, I, listen, some of you think, well, I got saved later. You know, I was in drugs. You know, oh, okay, you know, what the, you know what's going to happen in his life? Here's what's going to happen. He's going to grow up knowing everything that's right and wrong, being told it from the time he was this high, and still his own nature, his old nature is going to say, but I still want it. You say, why? That's bondage. Paul goes so far to say, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Can I tell you why you shouldn't continue in sin? Because secondly, sin represents bondage. Look at Romans 6. Look at verse number 6. Verse 6. Look at the end of that verse. Henceforth, we should not, what are the next two words? Serve sin at the end of verse 6. All right, look at verse number 7. Look at verse 7. For he that is dead is what? Freed from sin. Look at verse number 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more what? Dominion. Dominion. You know what we're seeing here? This constant presentation of freedom versus bondage. Uh, uh, Liberty versus slavery. And you you see those those words mean something. Uh, Go back to in your Bible, the the second book in your Bible. Look at Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8, one of the greatest pictures in your Bible about what it means to be a born-again Christian being called out of the old life and out of sin is found in the Old Testament. Look at Exodus chapter 8. We're going to do this very quickly. Let's go. Exodus 8 verse 20. The Lord said unto Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. That's what he said, right? Uh, Look at Exodus 8. Look at verse number 28. And Pharaoh said, I'll let you go. Hey, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Yeah, let's go. It's not, that's not how it goes, does it? This is not the end of the book. This is not where this story ends. He says, I'll let you go. Uh, uh, but, but look what he says at the very end of that verse. Only you shall not go very far away. You know what sin says? Yeah, you can stop me today. Don't go too far that, that preacher made you feel, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fine, but I'll be back tomorrow. Let's just talk tomorrow. You know what it says about Cain's sin life at the door? It's always going to be there. It's like a telemarketer, right? <laughs> Blows up your phone. You're like, who is calling me all the time? And then finally you answer because you think maybe it's a family member. Hello, Mr. Dominguez. <laughs> just not my family. You know what, that, that's, that's sin. It's always there. Look at Exodus chapter 10. Look if you would at verse number 10. 
Exodus 10, verse 10. And, and he said unto them, let the Lord be so with you. All these plagues are coming, so Pharaoh's kind of figure out, okay, if I can just, maybe I should let him go. Maybe I should just let him do it. Look what he says. As I will let you go and your little ones, look you to it for evils before you. And then he goes, not so. Look at that. You know what that is? That's what sin does to you. You're right. It's I'm doing the wrong thing, uh, but I'm not letting you do it. <laughs> not so. Go now ye that are men and serve the Lord for that ye did desire. In other words, don't take your kids. Christian, let me tell you something right now. It's not enough for you to have a walk with God. You need to help your kids have a walk with God. Look at Exodus chapter 10, verse 24. You know what you're seeing here? Sin does not want to let you go out of bondage. You know, when you've developed habits of thought over years of your decades of your life, it doesn't just go away. If you walk into a room and automatically start comparing yourself to other people, you need to learn to say, this is wrong. Comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. It's what the Bible says. Okay, well, Lord, I'm going to start comparing myself to Jesus, and Lord, I want to walk closer to you. That's a good thing to do. When you walk into a room and start going, well, what are they going to give me? Stop. Think differently. You see, what is that? That's a new way of thinking. What I'm getting at is this. Listen, God, listen nature abhors a vacuum. I've told someone recently, look, if, if, if I had, I've never been through it, and by the grace of God, I, I don't want to go through it. Uh, I, I don't think I don't intend to start drinking alcohol this age of my life. But I'm going to tell you what, that stuff doesn't let you just go. Right. I don't want to struggle with it. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I, I've, I've heard this told, and I've, I believe it. You know what someone said one time to someone that was really struggling? Get yourself a 64-ounce bottle of water, fill it up in the morning, carry it with you everywhere you go. And when you start thinking about it, just start chugging. Mm. Yeah. See, so you spend more time in the bathroom than you want to. Yeah. And it'll keep you out of trouble. Mm. Now, you may laugh about that. You know what the whole point is there? Nature abhors a vacuum. So you go, I just need to stop sin, stop sin, stop sin. No. You need to learn to walk in newness of life. And look at what God has given you. Don't focus on the tree in the midst of the garden. Look at every other tree in all of its glory and all of its beauty. And go, thank you, God, for this. I'm going to enjoy. Listen, I want to tell you right now, I don't go to happy hour because I'm already happy. <laughs> Do whatever you want. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, I don't. You know why? Because for me, it's like, I, look, I don't need to loosen up. I'm loose, baby. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need, if you need liquid courage to make you courageous, then there's something wrong with you. Right. And the reason you ought to have confidence and courage in your life is not because you take a sip of something. because something's inside of you that's real. <laughs> What I'm getting at is, look, look. If, if I needed that, then you know what that would say? That I'm feeling there's a void I'm trying to fill. And God says, let's, let's go in newness of life. Let's not stay in bondage. Exodus 10, look if you would at verse 24. Exodus 10, verse 24. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, go ye serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Okay, first I'll let you go, but don't go too far. Then I'll let you go, but don't take your kids. Then I'll let you go, but keep your stuff here. Yeah, but we got to take that stuff because that's the stuff that we're going to sacrifice. And Lord, I don't care. Figure it out. You know what that is? That's sin in your life. Let me hold on to whatever I can. And I'm not going to let go. You know what sin would do if you don't do anything? I love evolution. What a joke. Leave a car without maintenance and let, let it sit in the field for 50 years. See if it evolves. See if that car turns into Optimus Prime not going to happen you know sin will do in your life it'll ruin you unless you're willing to fight against it unless you're willing to walk in newness of life you don't negotiate with sin you flee from it you replace it with something better i'll give you an example 
Do you find yourself complaining? Now look, I'm going to be honest with you. I think vehicles are made to break down <laughs> so that mechanics can make a living. Okay? And you know what's easy to do? Uh, the shocks on my wife's vehicle are gone. So, like, it looks like we are dun 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 We're going on the road, we're like... Listening to Bluey. You know. And then on the way to church, the car does this fans not stopping thing. And it's just like, you know, stupid car. You know what the Lord says? At least you got a car. You got cars breaking down means you got one. Oh, you got a mechanic in your church? Shut your mouth. Yeah. I prayed for years for someone to come that knew how to fix cars. I can't fix them. Does Joe look like someone that could fix it? I look like, I'm not picking on Joe. I'm just saying. Yeah. Brother, you don't understand. This brother goes, just watch on YouTube. I look at YouTube and I'd have the engine. I just, I would never make sense of it. I go to the car with a hammer and Sam's like, back away, pastor. Back away. You know, it's easy. You start complaining. You know what you got to do? Fill it. Lord, thank you for my car. So is that replacement? See, but it's so easy to go this route, isn't it? Should we continue in sin? Tempted to gossip? Oh, Christians don't gossip. We have prayer requests. (laughs) Brother Javen, I don't want to talk bad about Brother Sean, but uh, I just have this burden to pray for him right now. Can we pray for him? (laughs) Lord, you know what Sean's doing, and it's so bad, and God, we just pray that you'd liberate him. Oh, yeah. So you're tempted to do that. You know what you got to do? Next time you're tempted to say something about somebody, go talk to someone about someone. Good idea. Amen. Go talk to someone about Jesus Christ. Amen. You want to gossip, run your mouth about someone? Run your mouth about Jesus. That'd be a good thing to do. See, what is that? Replacement. Can, can I say that sin in your life is akin to bondage? It's going to hold on to you. It doesn't want to let you go. Look if you would at Romans 6. Look if you would at verse number 22. Romans 6. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he arose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. That's a great place to be. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you don't have that. The, the curse of sin is holding on to you. And the curse of sin is going to take you to a place called hell, and God doesn't want you to go. You know what God would say if you said, well, I'm going to hell. You know what God would say? God forbid! The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God forbid. Romans 6, look if you would at verse number 22. Can I say sin always in the end gets exposed? And it always, listen to me very carefully, always, always leads to death. But now being made free from sin, become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness in the end. Oh, this is good. Everlasting life. For the wages of sin is what? I know how we use that. It's a great verse to show people that that without Jesus Christ, you're lost and going to hell. But can I say this? He's writing this to Christians about sin in our own lives. 
It may not be the death of your body. Maybe it's the death of your conscience, the death of your relationships, your death, the death of your walk with God. Maybe it's the death of your burden for souls. And you see these young people going out in the street corner and preaching and making a fool of themselves. You go, what a bunch of idiots. Why are they doing that? You know what your problem is? You're cold. You don't remember what it's like to be lost. You don't remember what it's like to put your head on your pillow at night and wonder where you're going to go when you die. You don't remember what it's like not to have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Some of you in this room have been diagnosed with cancer. And some of you keep smiling. You know why? Because you know where you're going when you die. And you have a comforter that lives inside of you and tells you it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And you know what? He's not giving you a vain promise. He's telling you that because it is going to be better than okay. Because someday after this, we get a new body. But you know what happens after a while? You get cold. And it just doesn't matter. You say, what is that? That's the death of your burden. You know what happens? You mess with sin long enough, and you hold on to it, and you continue in it. That stuff means nothing. Missions. Why do I give money to that? I get nothing out of it. That's how you think as a Christian, you're missing the boat. You know what the problem is? Something's died. Something's dead. Well, I'm saved. Yeah, but stuff can still die in your life. How about death of your love for the Bible? How about death of your love for fellowshipping with God's people? How about death of your spiritual senses? Can I just say this, Christian? It doesn't have to be that way. But that's the nature of sin. The old analogy, an old story about a scorpion and a turtle. Have you ever heard this before? Everybody talks about the tortoise and the hare. Right? You know, and that kind of thing. This turtle is floating in the water and a scorpion says, give me a ride. And the turtle says, no way, man. You're going to get on my back. You're going to sting me. And I'm going to die. We're both going to sink. And the scorpion says, no way, man. Listen, I promise you, just give me a ride across the lake. We'll be good. Halfway across the lake, that scorpion just does what that scorpion, he stings that turtle, and as that turtle flips over and says, why did you do that? Where's the logic in this? Now we're both going to die. And as he says his last, takes his last breath and starts to sink, and that poison enters into his body, that scorpion says it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be logical. I'm just doing what I do. You see, what is that? Sin. Sin. David's sin was exposed and children died. Moses' sin was exposed and he never made it to the promised land. Samson's sin was exposed and he was blinded. I, Eli's sin was exposed and he died with his sons. Jonah's sin was exposed and he dies without ever answering to God and, his, and he dies in it with a big question mark on his life. Saul's sin was exposed and he loses the kingdom and dies with his sons prematurely. The list goes on. Can I give you one last thought about this? Look if you would at verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know why you shouldn't continue to sin? Because the gift is so much greater than the sin you're holding on to. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you now. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to